Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Trigger warning. In this episode, we will be discussing eating disorders as well as bulimia. So do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Have a good one, y'all. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Completely Fucking Clueless podcast. My name is Sarah Alice Liddy. And my name is Audrey Jean Flowers, and we both use she, her pronouns. That we do. And today we have a very special guest with us. Carly, welcome to CFC. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. I'm so excited. We're so excited to be talking to you. You know, I have been following you for a very long time, actually, before the network had brought you as a guest for us to chat with. Um, I did back in, I want to say early college, I was trying to follow more people that I felt like represented me and who I was. And I just started kind of following a bunch of people. And that's how I found your account way back when. I love that. I love hearing I love hearing how people come across me, but also just like anyone online. It's like, that's the beauty of social media, the beauty side of it. <laughs> uh, yes, but totally. uh, I always, yeah, I love hearing, I love hearing those, those stories and also like such a s- kind of circle moment here, like being able to be here to talk to you now and um, following both of you and your podcast mm-hmm. and all of that. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, us too. Us too. And I feel like I'm excited because also my mom is um, got her MSW as a social worker, as a therapist. So I feel like this is going to be a fun combo. I know she's excited to listen because <laughs> my, my sister is currently in training um, to do somewhere between therapy and psychiatry uh, (laughs) right Mm -hmm. now so I've been getting to learn a lot from her of like (laughs) she's doing like the sort of final part of it right now where she's uh like sort of shadowing another doctor Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but yeah so I'm very excited to hear yes yay so let's take it back let's take it back to kind of when you are in you know early college you're studying to be a teacher at this time and you know you have been very open about struggling with an eating disorder as well throughout these years of your life can you just like walk us through you know where you were at at that stage of your life and your journey like mentally physically Yeah, of course. So I actually didn't um, open up about my eating disorder until my junior year of college. Um, So I developed my eating disorder around my junior year of high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had experienced just like some bullying in middle school that just sort of planted the seed in my head that my body was different and that people saw me differently. Um, I was always like the bigger one of my friends. Um, I remember going shopping with friends and going to like justice and, uh, you know, kind of being like, okay, well, none of these pieces really fit me. Uh, So that's sort of a, a, was a big thing for me in terms of like, I can't shop at the same place that my friends are shopping at. 
And my poor mom is like, it's okay, let's go over to Macy's or JCPenney's. And I'm like, I don't, that's not where I want to shop. I don't want to shop at those stores. I want to shop at Justice. And so uh, growing up, I I always knew that my body was bigger than those around me. Um, And so knowing that, coming to that realization, uh, I became very desperate to want to change my body. Um, I was a very successful athlete. My body did amazing things for me, but that was never enough. Um, I truly only cared about the size of my pants and the size of my body. And I tried everything, literally Weight Watchers, Slim Fast. Like I've tried all the diets um, and none of them, none of them worked for me. And so one day I overheard a friend talking about another friend who had developed an eating disorder. Um, and they were like, that's how she's lost so much weight and she's so small now and she looks so good and all of this really toxic conversation. But back then I, you know, didn't know that that was so toxic and that we shouldn't have been having that conversation to begin with. Um, and I inquired, I was like, what do you, what do you mean eating disorder? This is how little knowledge I had on the topic. I probably couldn't have even given you any details on what an eating disorder was. Um, and they were like, yeah, she, she's the trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, she's bulimic. And I was like, okay. And I went home and I Googled it because I truly did not even know. I didn't even know what that was. Um, And unfortunately, the first thing that clicked in my head was, oh, that's doable. Like, I can do that because I can still eat and no one's going to notice that I'm not eating. Um, And so that's sort of where it started for me. And that lasted about five to six years uh, pretty regularly, engaging in just eating disorder behaviors, very unhealthy relationship with food very unhealthy relationship with exercise and my body as a whole. Um, And so it was, yeah, around my junior year of college, I actually started to feel physical symptoms of my eating disorder. Uh, My throat was burning. I was losing hair. I had very low energy. Um, And it was very, it was very scary. I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm feeling this physically. This isn't just something that I'm doing to try to lose weight. My physical body is now having a negative reaction to these behaviors that I've been engaging in for five plus years. Uh, So I started doing more research and it was very terrifying uh, finding out the realities of eating disorders And so that was kind of my turning point for me where I was like, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Um, I don't want to live like this anymore. And so that was sort of the starting point of a lot of deconstructing, a lot of unlearning, uh, finding people online who were talking about this um, and trying to just surround myself with those types of people because I'm sure, as you know, we live in a society that has very much normalized disordered eating in particular. Um, But there's even groups online that normalize eating disorders that, you know, teach people how to properly do them. And Mm -hmm. it's just really, really toxic and and scary and was really eye-opening. One, kind of going back to thinking about what I would have done to lose weight, to be thin. Um, 
and just how scary of a mindset that is of like, I will literally do anything to be thin, no matter what that is doing to my body. Um, And I just was like, that's not worth it. Like, I'm not, I'm not living life. I'm not happy. I'm leading people to believe I'm healthy because I'm thin, but I'm not because I'm engaging in some of the unhealthiest behaviors possible. Um, so that was sort of that starting point for me. Um, and then thankfully found a community through that and have sort of just continued to try to learn myself, but also share that knowledge that I learned with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hearing you recount your story, I think the first thing that comes to mind to me is when I was in middle school and and I didn't even, I haven't even thought about this in years, but when girls similarly to your situation would say that they were not eating and, you know, choosing not to eat lunch and and all these things and learning what that meant and like why they weren't doing it. And so like, Oh wait, you know, I I don't look like them. This is, I can do that too. Um, in order to look like them. Um, and it's, it's so interesting how this information like spreads amongst Mm -hmm. women young women Mm -hmm. in particular yeah 100 percent. and I think we even still see that pretty prevalently now like Mm -hmm. on TikTok and Instagram right like people who do like what I eat in a day and even with there being no ill intent or harmful intent behind those videos, I think automatically what we do as humans is we see what that individual looks like physically. And then we see, okay, this is what they're eating every single day. So I'm going to repeat that. And maybe I will also then look like that person if I eat the same way as them, if I do the same things as them, um, maybe I'll look like maybe I'll look like that person. Um, and the reality is the chances of that happening are very, very slim. Um, because our bodies are all very different and they react to food differently. I always tell, I always tell people, I'm like, you could have two individuals, even twins, right? You could have two twins on the same exact diet, the same exact workout routine, and their bodies are going to react completely differently to both of those. One may lose a large amount of weight, one may gain weight, right? One may gain weight through muscle. So it's, it's really important that we understand that concept as well, so that we're not striving to look like someone else, or we're doing something unhealthy to our body with the hopes that we can achieve the look of someone else. Yeah. And I feel like it's also like the evolution that like, at least I've seen in like my sort of adolescence to adulthood it's it's gotten a lot sneakier like it's been like rebranded as like oh all about health and I remember like even in high school like I kind of learned like oh don't say you want to lose weight it's just like oh I want to be stronger like Mm -hmm. a lot of the wording has been changed but the intent is the same yeah definitely and I think that's key the intention and I bring that up a lot with clients right of like Mm -hmm. what I care most about is your intention, right? Like your behaviors, like if you want to sort of start meal prepping and you want to start going to the gym a certain amount a week, right? Like what's the intention behind that? Is your intention Mm -hmm. to feel good, to feel, 
you know, healthier in your body to feel stronger, then that's totally valid. But if your intention is solely to change your body or to lose weight for other people, for the approval and validation of others, then we should probably reevaluate where this is coming from. So that intention piece is definitely really, really important in all of this. But def- yeah, definitely understanding like wellness has sort of taken over diet culture. This, you know, we see this stuff with like Gwyneth Paltrow and like she yeah. made a bunch of controversial statements and, you know, trying to sell wellness as sort of like anti-diet and all of this stuff. So it can be very confusing. And so if you're listening and you're like, I don't know where to go or what to what to believe or what not to believe, like that is very valid. It is very overwhelming and it can be very confusing. Yeah. I today, actually this morning on TikTok, I um, I believe her name is Carly Weinstein, I think is her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about, you know, body positivity or in, you know, her journey with disordered eating. And she brought up the 75 um, hard challenge today and how, you know, kind of how you said like these what I eat in a days, you know, somebody may not be posting these with the intentions of like, you know, I want to trigger or harm people. But what she was saying was, you know, I just wanted to make sure little girls out there know that like, this is very disordered, like this sort of like routine and schedule the two forty five minute, you know, workouts a day, the eating on a diet, like whatever. And I was like, Thank God finally somebody said this because I thought I was crazy for like thinking that, you know, I've seen a lot of 30, you know, 75 hard, 30 hard content right now. And I was like, is this like okay to be doing to your body? Like I understand it's like some challenge, but like, yeah. Yeah. And I was happy that somebody finally pointed it out and said, you know, I had this conversation with another friend of mine who is in the body liberation field. Yeah social media as well. And we were having that same conversation. I was like, is it just me or is everyone doing 75 hard right now? Literally. Literally. Um, These accounts that, you know, really sort of blew up by being body acceptance, body positivity, body liberation, anti-diet, sort of like those accounts that that's really how they started are now sort of morphing into, oh, they're all doing 75 hard. And it yeah. is very frustrating because I was telling my friend, I was like, I really don't care. Do what you want with your body. I am all about sure. body autonomy. Do what you want to do. But when you have a platform, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are not sending a message to your community of like, this is an okay thing to do, or, you know, this is a healthy way to navigate this because everyone's going to navigate it differently. I think it's also almost natural for us to lean toward the intentional weight loss when we do something like that. Um, And some of these people who are doing 75 hard are saying their goal is intentional weight loss. Um, so it's a bit confusing cause you're like, wait a second, three weeks ago, this person was just talking about, you know, buying new jeans to fit their new body Oh, but now they're doing 75 hard to try to fit into these old jeans <laughs> that they were just telling me I should get rid of because they didn't right. fit anymore. So, uh, yeah, very confusing, very frustrating. Um, but thankfully there are spaces where people are having conversations like Carly, like Carly that you mentioned and um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, finding those people who are sort of being realistic about these sort of challenges and conversations. I think the new year is like just a really difficult time with like ED stuff of like, particularly with like family and everything. And like everyone's talking about their goals and a lot of people's goals resolve around like weight and body image of like, I was with like my family on vacation and it's post holidays. And so like the verbiage that everyone is using is just like, so mean to themselves and like it like I'm I'm now at a point where like it makes me so sad to like I'll interrupt like my mom or my sisters talking to themselves that way and I'm like how would you feel if I was talking to myself that way like you're being Mm -hmm. so incredibly mean to yourself like yeah it's heartbreaking to watch and I always think like I feel like I've been having this conversation every new year like it feels like it's been happening my whole life (laughs) Mm-hmm. And basically it Literally. has, like, you know, but I'm like, when will I need to not be continue to have this conversation or to share with people like, hey, you don't have to go on these extreme like weight loss journeys or not even just weight loss journeys, but these just like extreme changes in your in your life. Like you don't, you don't have to do this every year. Like it, it can yes. be a subtle sort of transition into the new year and have some things maybe you want to improve on, but it doesn't need to be this like big grand like thing. Um, Literally. And like how, that is how me this how- year. Yeah. That is me this year. This was the first year I was like, you know what? Like I don't want to make any like new goals or things Mm -hmm. like, you know, like I'm kind of liking where my life is right now. And sure, not everything is perfect. And sure, there's some things that I'd like to maybe focus on like this year, but Mm-hmm. I don't want to do the same thing that I've done in the past where it's like, I'm going to change my life in five days and like yeah. be a new person. And it's it's just not uh, effective anymore in my life. And I feel like in many people's lives, I've had discussions with friends this week that have been like, yeah, I, I told myself I was going to eat better in the new year and I haven't done that. And so I feel like shit. Yes. And then it's so disheartening when you fail because you've set up these incredibly high expectations that like, yeah, Yeah. you can't become a new person overnight. Yeah. And usually by the end of February into March, people are already kind of dropping off. Right. um, You know, and they're already feeling like, well, I didn't stick to it for that week. So I might as well just quit, give up and, you know, not just wait until the the next year. Right. It's like, what if we just kind of met ourselves where we're at and we thought about the things we accomplished last year that we're really proud of and the growth we made last year and kind of just see what happens this year. Right. Like what if we just sort of left it up to um, the imagination and we're like, we'll see we'll see what comes to this year. Like, I feel like that's so much more exciting yeah. <laughs> for me to be like, I'll see, we'll see what happens. Like, we'll see mm-hmm. what is accomplished. We'll see what changes are made. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wild. The extreme sides of that, it's like so unhealthy. And right. I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah. I think it's aspect. hard because like as we've talked about in this like kind of social media world you see so many people making these like I call them luxurious goals and 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 they're so juicy and they seem so like amazing and so you're like I should be making those types of goals too 
and then you do and and because they're so like all or nothing you know there's no action plan there's no steps in there there's no like hey like maybe let's reach this tiny goal before we get to like the the huge goal um and in my many years of therapy I have learned that like I'm a very all or nothing person and I am happy that like this year I'm gonna walk away from that yeah. and I've, I've been encouraging other people too because honestly it's kind of feeling like very freeing I'm like this is yeah. ah, like a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah. as a therapist we look at all or nothing thinking as a cognitive distortion it is something that yeah. leads us to self-sabotage or imposter syndrome or all these other things so it's like how about we be realistic with ourselves and we look at okay what what step forward can we make that is it's like a stepping it's like a stepping stool right you're like taking these small steps to get to this big goal um and so that aspect is usually hard for people who definitely are familiar with all or nothing it's like i'm i'm going all in and i'm achieving this goal as soon as possible um So it's sort of doing the opposite of what you've done your whole life. And that is challenging. (laughs) It really Mm -hmm. is. It really is. Um, I mean, speaking of you, you know, being a therapist. So I know in your journey, like you, you went to recovery and that in that recovery period of your life, that is how you decided you wanted to go into this field. You know, can you walk us through like how that process led you to wanting to change up your career? Yeah. So like you mentioned in the very beginning, my undergrad was in elementary education. Um, I actually ended up, so when I started my recovery, I, like I mentioned, was a junior in college and I was starting to have this realization that I didn't enjoy teaching in the way that like my classmates enjoyed teaching. Mm. Um, I would look at how my classmates in college were talking about their students and their experience and how excited they were about all of these things. And I was like, I don't feel like I feel that same excitement and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a little background growing up, I was always told I'd be a really good teacher. I'm, I'm really good with kids. Um, I very enthusiastic. I'm very loud. And so growing up, that's my mom mom, my mom was always like, you'd be a really great teacher. And the people pleaser in me, I consider myself a chronic people pleaser, um, working on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went with it. I was like, Oh, everyone thinks I'd be a great teacher. I'm going to be a teacher. Um, never really went through the process of thinking about what I wanted to do, um, as a career. And so I just went with it and I started college and went right into education. And then through my recovery, working through this people pleasing and really figuring out who I am and, you know, what makes me, me, I realized that teaching really wasn't traditional teaching, wasn't really one of those things. Uh, but I was already almost done with undergrad. And so I was like, well, it's too late to change. I can probably do something with this degree that's not traditional classroom teaching. So I went ahead and graduated and got my bachelor's in education. Um, but it was, you know, not too long after that, I was doing some like summer school teaching and some substitute teaching because I really truly didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and through my recovery, I did find this passion for 
just educating and talking about eating disorders and body image um, and all of that. But I didn't know what that looked like career-wise. Like, never did I once think I would ever be a therapist. Never did I once, like, think I would ever be going back for my master's. Um, and so a couple, like, couple years after I did my bachelor's, I was like, you know what? I think I need to go back to school because I really can't do anything in the eating disorder field, like career-wise, unless I have my master's. And so I went back yeah. and forth between like my master's of social work or master's in like counseling. Um, and I went with social work because I really love the social justice aspect of social work. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of the work that I do. And so I went with my, with masters of social work, specialized in eating disorders, um, and did a whole curriculum, middle school curriculum on eating disorders. That was my grad school wow. thesis. Yeah. And here I am now I'm an associate clinician working at a private practice here in Southern California, uh, getting my hours toward licensure. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of how, that's sort of how I got here. But basically just wanted to be someone I wish I would have had when I was younger. That sort of thought process of, I wish I would have had someone like me to go to, to talk to, to educate me on eating disorders. I didn't have that. And I now want to be that for other people. So that's kind of what got me here. Fucking amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And I mean, I'm assuming, you know, changing careers under taking this under like your wing, like there were times that you probably felt like uncertain and, you know, clueless. How do you feel like you got through those times? Well, I definitely felt very clueless in a lot of imposter syndrome when I started my master's program because yeah. just growing up, I was I wasn't like not smart, but I wasn't like a straight A's sort of smart, right? Sure. I, I wasn't ever like totally book smart. I'm very like street smart. I'm very good at reading people. I'm very, you know, like all of that. And so I, I had a lot of cluelessness, feelings of cluelessness and feelings of what the hell am I doing? There's no way I'm going to be able to get through these two years of like an advanced program, higher education, like all of this stuff. Um, but thankfully I did. And I found sort of my way of navigating grad school. I think that's the beautiful thing is that if you're doing something like grad school or something that feels a little bit scary, I feel like we can usually shape it in a way that works for us. Um, in terms of like knowing how you learn, you know, how, yeah. how, what type of learner are you? Um, taking advantage of office hours, right? Engaging with your professors as much as you can. Finding people that you're in school with, who you relate to, who you feel comfortable around, who you can kind of do assignments with. Like those sort of things, I feel like made the experience feel less scary for me. Yeah. Um, but I always like to remind myself of like, this idea that fear is not harmful. And I think a lot of times we think that when we feel fear, we are unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, 
and a lot of I feel like that's like a, another like sort of distortion that our our brain convinces convinces us of is oh no we're we're afraid right we're we're feeling this fear we need to protect ourselves like we're unsafe but we're not always like there's a lot of times where we feel fear but we are we're safe right we're not we're not in a harmful situation so i always have to sort of remind myself of that of like it's okay to feel afraid it's okay to feel this fear um we'll get through it like we're we're going to get through it. We're going to come out on the other side. Um and I never want fear to dictate my life ever. And so I think that was a big thing too of like this is this is scary. This feels fearful, but that doesn't mean I can't do it. That doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Um because there's probably a lot of growth on the other end of this. Um yeah. so that was that was a big thing for me in navigating the fear that came up and all of that. Yeah. I feel like I was having this. It's so funny. I'm like, I've had this discussion literally this weekend with my partner who is also trying to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. So many therapists always around me, but, um, yeah, it is so interesting how, especially like in your twenties, these feelings of fear and discomfort, like really do paralyze you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really hard to overcome and to take that step forward into it. But, that is like such a good piece of advice and something I'm trying to do right now in my life is like discomfort and fear is like not always this like terrible thing Mm -hmm. that you need to run from like Mm -hmm. it just means it's new but like so it's really hard to overcome that like the devil you know beats the devil you don't like Mm -hmm. even when like the devil you know really sucks and it's not good and you're unhappy like it is so hard to convince yourself to try something new because it's that fear like you really like you your body feels like you're in danger yeah it's uncomfortable it's it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and so your brain wants to do what feels comfortable which is falling back to just the the usual reaction or behavior that you would usually go to um and I think yeah just analyzing the situation and being like okay am I unsafe is this going to cause my life harm Mm. no it's not okay so let's (laughs) Let's keep moving forward. Let's figure out how we can make this feel a little less scary day by day. Um, Obviously, there's going to be situations where you're like, okay, this is probably a stupid decision. Let's not make this decision because this could have a negative impact on my life uh, in the long run. So it's, yeah, being able to just have that internal, like, analyze session Mm -hmm. going on with yourself of just analyzing the situation and making a smart decision, but not letting the fear stop you from making a decision that feels different than what you would have made before. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think as I get older, the more and more I try and analyze things more, kind of like you were saying, like breaking down the process, even though I literally remember in therapy in high school, my therapist being like, hey, like, let's think about these thoughts that you are having. Like, is this judgmental thought like true? Like, let's take a step back and analyze it. But I think being young, I just didn't really listen. And then as I've gotten older and I'm trying not to continue, like some of these unhealthy habits I have, like really thinking about you know your actions why you're doing them like and breaking it down as scary as it can be sometimes to like really be honest with yourself mm-hmm. it does bring you I think a lot of like 
growth and healing, you know? Yeah. I see yeah. this fear process a lot in individuals who are navigating like their eating disorder or even just healing their relationship with food. That yeah. fear of like weight gain, right? The fear of weight yeah. gain, the fear of their body changing. And so a lot of people would rather just stay where they're at and continue mm. the behaviors that they're engaging in because that's an easier thing to accept than their body changing or them gaining weight because that has been the biggest fear, the biggest thing that they've been avoiding for most of their life. And I can speak on this personally. I was in that position too. I was like, no way I can go through recovery. No way I can heal my relationship with food, especially if that means I'm going to gain weight through this. Um, and so a big thing that I've had to do personally and what I do with a lot of my clients is like really unlearning where, where that belief is coming from, right? What yeah. is the like core belief that is, that is creating this idea that weight gain is truly the worst thing that can ever happen to you? Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times it's internalized fat phobia and we're going through that whole process together. Um, but I think really understanding that this fear of weight gain isn't actually as scary as we think it might be. Um, and in fact, in my situation, and I know in a lot of other people's situations, gaining weight was the best thing I ever could have done for myself um, yeah. in my body. And so really trying to unlearn this idea that, you know, weight gain is a bad thing or you've let yourself go quote unquote, or you don't care about yourself anymore. Like really unlearning a lot of these like fat phobic beliefs, um, is essential really in overcoming that fear of, yeah. you know, your body changing in this process. How did you start that unlearning or how do you encourage your patients to do so? I think the biggest thing is really identifying, like I mentioned a little earlier, like those core beliefs, like yeah. where, where did I first hear this? Where did I first mm. hear that gaining weight was a bad thing? Um, and I would try to trace it back to, oh, I remember hearing my mom say this, or I remember hearing my grandma make this comment, or I remember reading in a magazine this. And so I try to get back to the root of that belief. Um, and when you get to the root of a belief, you can sort of understand, oh, this isn't my own belief. I didn't formulate this belief for myself. Someone else formulated this belief for me. And so in that process, we can then reframe that belief to be something that aligns more with who we are now as individuals, right? And so I think first thing was identifying the core beliefs that were causing me to have these negative thoughts, um, causing me to engage in unhealthy behaviors and causing me to really feel just angry with my body. Um, and then the second thing was really understanding this process of like giving our body back the control. Um, mm. Because for so long, I felt like I needed to be in control of the way that my body reacted to things, or I tried to in a way. And control is something we see in a lot of eating disorders. It really yeah. is a way to feel in control. Um, and so I got to a point where I was like, I'm tired of having to like, 
think about this all the time and analyze everything I'm eating. Like my body knows what it's doing. My body knows what it needs. My body knows how to react to certain things. My body knows how to send me the messages that I need to, to feel good, to feel Mm. the healthiest, happiest that I can. Um, And so really just relearning how to give my body back that control, almost that like natural intuitive eating that we all have as kids um, that we kind of lose as we get older through diet culture and everything, really getting back to that root of listening to my body um, and knowing that my body knows what it's doing. And if that means that I'm going to gain a little bit of weight my body deserves that. And I respect my body enough to be able to trust it. And so that was sort of the thought process for me in all of it was just trying to give my body back the control and understanding like the biological aspects of it all. So you can read books on, you know, set point and how our bodies all have these sort of weight this weight that it thrives at. Um, and oftentimes we're trying to fight against that. Um, we're trying to fight against that set point and we're doing a lot more harm than good to our bodies by doing that. So really just reading and researching how our bodies react to dieting, how they react to restriction, um, sort of hunger cues and intuitive eating. Those are sort of the, the spaces that I tried to, really put myself into so that I had the evidence and the support to back up why I was doing what I was doing. Um, yeah, which I found to be really helpful, especially when trying to reframe thoughts. I had to try to convince myself that this new thought was better than my old thought. And part of that convincing was, well, according to this book, this said X, Y, Z. And so that was just really helpful for me to be able to stick with those new thoughts I like both within myself and with like family members around me because like I uh, like always kind of was like kind of average looking but like not on the heavier and I've I've put on a decent amount of weight in these past few years and I think something that's been really hard for me to reframe and also like trying to get like people especially family around me to understand of like hey this was probably actually more towards where my natural resting state Mm -hmm. where my body naturally is I know that most of my life didn't look like this but most of my life I was barely eating and exercising an insane amount like yeah this is probably where I was actually supposed to be resting Mm -hmm. and I know that this seems abnormal compared to you thought that was my default but this probably was where my body wanted to land most that time and I was forcing it out of that Mm -hmm. and I think that's really hard for people to accept that like this is my default that was an altered state Mm-hmm. And also our bodies are always changing as we get older, mm-hmm. right? We take into consideration hormonal changes, right? Changes in your metabolism. Like there's all these things going on in our bodies that are changing and we can't expect our bodies to look the same as they did when we were 20 years old, right? Like right. we're 35 and we're trying to fit into the same pair of jeans that we wore when we were a freshman in college. It's like, there's so many things that go into play when it comes to the changes our bodies undergoing. Um, and so it's just a very unrealistic expectation for you to have of yourself that your body would look the exact same, um, yeah. that it did when you were, you know, 
sort of still a teenager. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's just not fair. It's not a fair expectation to have of yourself or your body. Yeah, for sure. You know, from the things that when you were trying to like do all this unlearning, were th- was there anything or were there any things from, you know, these books that you've read that really like impacted you in like breaking up with diet culture? The biggest one was really understanding the negative effect that dieting has on our body. Um, Mm. Really learning that yo-yo dieting and the stress that we put on our diet or that we put on our bodies trying to navigate diets is actually worse for us health-wise than if we were to just exist in the body that we are in. Um, so that stress, the yo-yo dieting, the restriction, all of that has such a larger negative impact on our overall health than if we were to just exist in our bodies and to be content and happy in our bodies. And that was a big turning point for me, um, because I was like, I thought I was doing something good for my body. <laughs> I thought all yeah. these things were to benefit my health. Actually, they were doing the complete opposite. Um, and I think a big reason as to why that's so confusing for a lot of people is because we associate health as being solely physical. Um, yeah. But there is mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. Like there's all of these different pillars of health that impact us. And so if we are abandoning our mental and emotional and we're only focusing on our physical, there's going to be, we're going to have, our body's going to have a negative reaction to that. Yeah. Um, and so really understanding that when you're trying to find a lifestyle that works for you, you have to really take into consideration, you're not just looking at physical, right? Like you're also looking at mental, you're also looking at emotional. How can you take care of those other pillars of health as well? And how does dieting impact your mental and emotional health Mm -hmm. as well? So that was a big thing for me. Um, And then also the set, the set point idea was a really big turning point for me too. And understanding like, oh, my set point, like the weight that my body thrives at is actually different than my friends. The friends that Mm -hmm. I was comparing myself to majority of my life growing up. Um, and it's not realistic for me to expect my body to look like their body because biologically it never will because our bodies are very different. Our set points are very different. Our genetic makeup is very different. Um, and so really understanding all of those different aspects was really helpful because diet culture really tells us do this one diet and you'll see X results. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And selling this sort of one size fits all idea of if you do X, Y, Z, you will see these results and no diet can confirm that. Like there's, there's no, can promise that no diet can promise a specific outcome because all of our bodies are going to react differently to those diets. And so that was really a big thing for me of like, oh, this really is just a money-making scheme. This really is just how can we make people feel as insecure in their bodies as possible so that they'll continue to buy another program and another program and another program 
And knowing that most of those programs aren't going to work for those people, they know that because mm-hmm. you do one, it doesn't work. You're going to go to the other. You're going to do that. It doesn't work. You're going to go to the next and you're just going to go and go and go until you've tried all the diets. Oh, but you're never going to try them all because there's going to be new ones that are come out by the time you finish those other ones. Literally. I feel like the way, like the way that Weight Watchers was a thing, like when I was in high school, it's now sort of like the whole like social media thing. Like, I wonder if some girl like, you know, high schooler, unfortunately may talk about the 75 hard challenge one day and be like, Mm -hmm. that was, you know, my version of that. But that's so true. I didn't, I've never even like thought about the way that like, there are so many different ones mm-hmm. and how like they like the working through each one. Oh, I've I've watched my parents do so many of them over my lifetime. Yeah. I mean yeah. almost any diet out there that is like branded as healthy. Mm. Mm-hmm. They've tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that was the big yeah, that was a big thing for me as I'm like, I'm giving so much of my time, so much of my money Mm. So much of my happiness, my joy to these sort of companies and these these programs that really, truly, like, to the core, know that it's probably not going to work. Um, but they're, they're in it for the money, right? And yeah. so it's like we go through this mental hell to try to meet these expectations while we're also just padding their pockets. So it's mm. like I got to this point where I was like, I can't, I don't want to give my money to these sort of brands anymore. These, these organizations anymore, because I know what the intention is um, behind all of them. And when you know the intention, when you realize just how interconnected sort of the pharmaceutical world and the diet culture world and all of that is, you're like, Hmm, that's definitely not a coincidence. (laughs) So let me yeah, try to step away from that and see if there are things that, you know, I can behaviors, I can sort of start to adapt um, that feel doable and feel good rather than trying to do a program. Yeah. For anyone who's like sort of beginning this journey, do you have any like books or specific resources aside from yourself that you recommend people check out? Yes. Yeah, so the book, uh, intuitive eating book mm-hmm. is really great. It's filled with a lot of research and science and, and background information on sort of what I was talking about earlier of like the impact our body or the impact that dieting has on our bodies. Um, so that's a really great starting point. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, and then give me a second. I'm going to grab grab from my bookshelf because I'm blanking yeah. on names. Go for it. I can't it. remember the names of anything ever in my life. It's like <laughs> almost impressive how much I can't yeah. remember things. My sister uh, literally got checked because she feels like her memory is so bad. She was paranoid that she had early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> like that's how bad her memory was. Yeah. She doesn't, okay. thankfully. Okay. These three... Um, so the intuitive eating, uh, it's basically just the OG intuitive eating book, um, is a great one. Health at every size is another great one. Um, this one also filled with a lot of really great information and knowledge. And then the other one, um, is called the body is not an apology. This is by, yes, Sonia Renee Taylor. She is an amazing 
like fat activist and this book really just helps us to stop apologizing for our bodies Mm. and really start to take up space and not feel ashamed of the space that we take up. So those three definitely, um, I'll say the health at every size is probably a great place to start. And then from there, maybe go into that intuitive eating book. And then there's a lot of intuitive eating coaches out there too that you can look into. Be sure that they're like actual intuitive eating coaches. (laughs) There's a lot of, of them out there who aren't actual, but that's, um, a big word right now. So people will label themselves intuitive eating coaches Sure. So uh, Fine Food Freedom is one of my friends. She um, owns this company, Fine Food Freedom, and they do intuitive eating coaching and stuff. So that's a really great place to start if you're looking for like extra support. Yeah. Yeah. I saw health at every size um, coach nutritionist for a couple of months. And then I don't think I was like on my journey ready to continue. Mm -hmm. But what I did, I what I did take away was amazing um and it's you know so interesting because i feel like at the time i did it it was like not really spoken about a lot Mm -hmm. you know obviously like you hear about nutritionists but you hear about it for like weight loss reasons Mm -hmm. um and that there could be somebody that you can meet with that can help you just like find an intuitive way to eat which you know i think because of you know the way that we all grew up is so hard to find sometimes like sometimes I'm like how like how do I find this place in me you know um it can really be a struggle yeah and I'm also happy to share this amazing google doc uh that was created um of because one of the biggest things I hear too is you know navigating like the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, people being afraid to go to the doctor. They don't want to be weighed. Um, there's and I can send it to you and you can put it in the show yeah. notes if you want, but it's basically just this giant Google, Google doc of all of these, um, like anti-diet basically like providers. So nice. doctors, psychiatrists, therapists who, um, people have been to who they said they had great experiences with. So like all 50 states are on there. There's like so many different, yeah, there's so many resources there. So oh, wow, that is I always amazing. like to share that because I think that can be yeah. a really good starting point for people too, is just like maybe changing out a provider that they have that's yeah. going to help them sort of start that conversation and start that shift. Yeah, I like not seeing my weight and I don't want them to tell me. And I find that I've had certain doctors who are like very respectful and very good at it. And like I would, I had a physical literally last week. And so the doctor like even went to make sure going to turn it off afterwards mm-hmm. because it was like electronic one where it would have stayed up and I would have seen it. And like yeah. she was very respectful. But I've also had people who very much like scoffed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Setting boundaries. Yeah. It's like, come exactly. on, everybody. I know. Um, yeah. And I'm curious for the times that, you know, we're human and I obviously feel like you probably on long your journey have had days where you're feeling great and then days where you're not feeling as great. You know, what do you do to help yourself on the days where you are really struggling with your body? One of the biggest things is just really meeting myself where I'm at and giving myself Mm -hmm. grace for what I'm feeling. Um, 
I think for the longest time, I used to feel very guilty for having those days because I was like, oh, I'm like talking about loving yourself and like really loving your body. And I like something must be wrong with me or I must not be doing enough because I'm having a day where I really don't feel that. And I look in the mirror and I think negative thoughts, you know, it's like I had almost this realistic expectation of self-love in a way, um, in body liberation and body neutrality where I expected myself to feel that way all the time, but that is just literally not realistic. We are human and we're going to have days where we wake up and we don't feel super excited about our bodies and we don't feel really in tune with our bodies. Um, And that's okay. I think just being able to say like, this is just a day. It's okay. Like I just going to meet myself where I'm at, going to give myself grace, going to maybe, you know, spend a little extra downtime today, watching a little extra TV, just like trying to distract myself a little bit from those thoughts. Um, but also giving myself time to think about, did something happen? Did I hear something? Did someone say something to me that maybe triggered this? Um, and there won't always be a reason why you're feeling that. Sometimes it's just how you're feeling when you wake up. Um, but sort of, I found that going through that reflection process can help me sort of find maybe the root cause of why I woke up this morning and felt a little bit different. Um, so that's a part of it too, is I'll just take some time to journal or to think about why I'm feeling this, um, and how I want to treat my body in feeling this way. And usually that's just trying to meet myself where I'm at, give myself the day and really try to go to bed that evening feeling like, okay, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Um, if it's not, that's okay. We'll meet, our, we'll meet ourselves where we're at. But just being aware that we don't let that happen for for an extended amount of time. And we try to try to silence it or try to overcome it by day two or day three. Because um, I think it can be really easy to fall into that sort of cycle of negative thoughts. And then it feels harder and harder to get out of that the longer we're in totally. it. Mm -hmm. totally 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 so our last question for you we asked this for everybody is can you tell us a time where you felt clueless recently it can be as big as you want as small as you want yeah a time when I felt clueless recently um okay so I tried a new I tried a new Pilates class um and I truly felt clueless like I (laughs) Pilates is hard and Mm -hmm. interesting it is you know all these girls are like yay Pilates and I'm like this is hard (laughs) let's be realistic with Pilates right like specifically reformer Pilates yes floor Pilates is a little easier but like when you're getting yourself on a reformer you're strapping yourself in you're like attached to these springs like yes it looks like an old-timey torture machine (laughs) yes definitely 100 so yeah i feel like that was a time when i felt when i felt clueless where i was like (laughs) what am i doing am i doing this right also how are all of these girls so good at this and i'm like (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I'm a big advocate for not comparing yourself in like a work workout class setting. Sure. Um, because, you know, your workout's your workout, your body's your body, and, you know, you meet yourself where you're at with that. But there was definitely a part of me where I was like, these girls are so strong because they're like <laughs> holding a minute and a half plank on a reformer. And I'm like shaking. Like, I'm like, I don't understand how, 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 how you do it. So that no, was definitely literally. a time for me where I was like, hmm, okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> this is very new. I know. I feel like with Pilates, it sounds like so cute. And like, you know, you see all these pictures and everybody's in their cute workout set. It's fucking intense. No, but literally you start doing it and like your legs are in these like, you know, holes that are attached to these like bands and you're like. I'm just like, kind of looks like the torture machine from The Princess Bride. A little Uh bit. (laughs) I rewatched that movie recently and it does give medieval torture. Yeah. And then you're like shaking, like, you know, like, well, I can't just like not, I can't let my muscles go or else this, this carriage is literally going to go flying out from underneath of me and I'm going to fall off the reformer. So it's, yeah. No, it's definitely hard. I I've tried it and I've deemed that it's personally not for me, but happy for the people that, that do enjoy it. Cause it does, it looks like, um, it looks fun when you can like do it, but yeah. it's the getting there that can be really There's tough. There's a learning curve. I yeah, think. for sure. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, where can people find you on the internet? Yes. Yes, of course. So you can find me um, on Instagram at recover with Carly. Um, same on TikTok, also recover with Carly. Um, you can also find me, just go to my website, recoverwithcarly.com and basically everything is linked there all social medias are linked there my podcast is linked there the recover with carly podcast so you can find me basically just go to my website and you can basically find everything there (laughs) amazing and you guys can find us on instagram at completely fucking clueless and on tiktok and youtube at completely fck ing clueless thank you so much for coming on carly Of course. Thank you so so much much for having me and thank you for creating this safe space to be vulnerable and talk about such an important topic and conversation. Thank you. Yes, of course. We're so happy to get to like talk about this with you. I feel like this is such an important discussion and kind of like what you said, how you started to do this was because you wanted to, you know, hopefully be that person that you didn't have. And so hopefully yeah. this can impact people. And this was such yes. a good time of year to hear this. I like, literally I think I really I needed this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure so many did. And I'll just say for listeners, like if you're feeling any of these things, like you're not alone at no. all. And nope. I think that that's one of the most important things to hear is, is you're not alone. And there are other people who are feeling that. Um, who are willing to sort of navigate it with you and there's support, there's help, there's support out there. Um, don't be ashamed of sharing your struggles. Don't be ashamed of asking for help. Um, the hardest decision I ever made was admitting what I was going through, but it was also life changing. It saved my life. It changed my life. Um, and there's no need to feel ashamed for what you're going through and what you're feeling amazing mic drop yeah thank you so much carly have a wonderful rest of your day awesome thank you so much
This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.